All right. I'm ready to go. So, are we ready? Going? Go. Okay. Crank it. Hey everyone, I want to welcome you to Whispers of Truth podcast number two. So, so far we've been doing one of these every couple years. We're shooting for one every two years. So, uh, I guess by 2035 we'll have done our seventh episode. So that's the plan anyway, so you can follow along. Uh, I'd like to introduce you to my special guests. We have Carl Patzer, uh, co, uh, co- co-helper of all things uh, producing and key grip and dolly grip, whatever those things are, uh, for Whispers of Truth. Hello, Carl. Hey, Jim. Hey. Diane, how you doing? Back for another podcast. Oh, yeah. Like here a, we are. I can quote for punishment. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to do something fun here uh, for the intro. If uh, The first person to tell me the artist of that very Newman-related track we're listening to right now uh, we'll uh, win something. I'll scare up something really cool from the Mock Band archives. Well, we can at least name, it. name the artist. Yeah, it's so all we want is the artist of this very new, very extremely Newman related track we are listening to that you've probably never heard before. Uh, so, uh, deep track from the Newman world. Uh, first person to uh, to come through with the artist. Uh, we'll, we'll get something really cool. Uh, and the winner will be announced in 2024 for podcast number three. <laughs> <laughs> So you've been quite the help on the film as well, Diane. Well, I try. Yeah, you've, you've been uh, instrumental, as you as uh, Carl actually makes instrumentals for the movie. Um, we uh, actually did a, a, a new poster, which I unleashed to the world uh, last week, I believe, and that was for insiders. Uh, that was uh, for some insider information. That was based on a movie poster, which I really liked, that never got used for an excellent movie called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Uh, so who the heck are we? Uh, I ran Gary's uh, pseudo-unofficial fan club for 27 years, one of the longest-running 
fanzines. Uh, Diane here actually did the first artwork. Yeah, I, I've always, I've always dabbled in drawing things, and I did a pen and ink drawing of Gary from. It was from the cover of one of his forty fives. I don't remember which one, but I submitted that to the first newsletter and. <laughs> It was beautiful. It was unique, and no one had ever seen it before. It's pointillism, right? Pointillism? Or... Uh, well, pen and ink stippling is what you call that type okay. of shading. Shows what I know. Well, I believe it was the cover for I Can't Stop. That could be. That's, I, I think that's the one. It could be. Considering um... that was back in the late 80s and it's now <laughs> yeah. 2022. We're going back over. I don't really remember which album cover it was. I just remember that I liked the art, the photo on the cover and wanted to do an artwork and that was a good one to do it stood out that whole that whole look uh gary had the black dicky i think then and then the red dicky especially his dad called him his james bond look it's very smart <laughs> of course you can't tell what color is it puts me in, mind in a pen of, and ink black and white drawing <laughs> it puts me in mind of this boston band that was kind of funny uh they were a bunch of like lawyers and business people that put this band together called uh, the upper crust very funny Boston band, and they did this song called I've Got My Ass Cut and My Dicky. Well, there you go. My ass cut <laughs> and my dicky. Okay. I'll have to look that up on YouTube. Yeah, so you yes, mentioned dicky as I that came Upper from. Crust. I would eat an Upper Crust when I followed the Newman tours in the UK. They were at all the train stations. Upper Crust. You'd always, you'd always wreck the roof of your mouth on the, on the crust, which is. Well, you said Dickies. You get upper, that's, what came, yeah. that's what came to mind. <laughs> or the band of Dickies. Remember, they did one banana, two banana, three banana, four. Oh, there you go. Now we are going back a ways. Um, so if you're older than 60 years old, you will get all the references on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, not over, I'm not over 60. No, we're not over 60. I think collectively, collectively we're 200 years old. I, I'm too <laughs> off of that. Yeah. So I'm close. <laughs> No. Well, I'm only a year younger than you are. You're the youngest. Yeah, yeah. You're. You know, you Carl's just a few years older. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the one who's uh, you know one foot in the grave here. So. In metric, I'm only 27, so we're gonna go with that. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, they say you're only as old as you think you are. <laughs> so Carl's doing a lot of music for the film. Um, there's gonna various be a bits. yeah various bits. Uh, the, a lot of the main stuff. Uh, the more esoteric, ethereal, all the cool adjectives that start with E, uh, Carl, we are responsible for. Um, a lot of it, uh, truth be told, will be Newman covers that no one has ever heard of. I have I have enough of those for probably four movies. So um, uh, th- those will be real. I'm looking forward to sharing those. Uh, I'm finding more all the time. Uh, I did one for, I think, my first or second trailer for Subway Called You, and everyone was like, who did that? It's amazing. And, uh, I mean, it was so rare. I mean, it was actually on, it made it to vinyl. And someone would have had to have passed away for, I mean, it was so rare. Someone would have had to pass away for someone else to acquire a copy of this. But I got my hot little hands on it. Being the Mothman and the connections that I had, I was able to, uh, to get stuff like this. And I'm able to share the wealth. And a lot of that stuff will be in the film for Newman fans to enjoy. Uh, film itself, I'm hoping for May. That might be wildly optimistic. But I, I was just telling these guys, we went out to dinner tonight. And I upgraded my video software, and I'm really stoked to, to make this happen. Uh, I got a narrator in Boston by the name of Tom Kirstead, and he's uh, he's doing all the narration because there's I don't want the whole film to be me. Well, there's no point in rushing it unless you have what you want. Well, yeah, that too. And it has I gotta say it's benefited benefited from the delay. Uh, the most I, I the best example of that is that 
there is a, a very special guest, beloved in the Newman world, that's going to be a part of the movie that if I had put it out right away, maybe in 2017, 2018, wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be a very integral, important, incredible part of the film that's really going to blow people's socks off. Um, once this comes out, let's just say, hey. let's just say it was one of my most asked is questions this, on tour. The space between albums with artists these days, like Gary takes five years and two now. Well, that's a good way to look at it. I mean, you know what I mean? the space between Pure and Jagged was what five years, six years. I mean, look at some of these other bands; they take you know years between records. And oh, stuff. Yeah. so as an homage to Gary, I'm <laughs> waiting yeah. six years for the uh, the project to be to come to right. fruition. It's that's, kind of you'll let it out when you feel that it's ready to go out. That's actually an excellent way to look at it. Because the whole thing was paying homage but to you, Gary. I mean, you can you can pick something to death and overpick it. But it has to be, when it feels right, it's right. That's the thing. I mean, people ask about the movie. When I put the poster out, it got a bunch of likes. But really, when when it comes down to it, people are like, you know, what? when's the movie coming out? And I'm like, well, I mean, when? It, yeah, when it's done. I, mean, I have, see, a director normally has people to help them pare it down and to... Because um, mostly it's, it's studio time, this cost, which I'm not really right. up against. Right. If you were in a major production with with studio cost, yeah. you'd have executives harping on you every day. Yeah, yeah. Ready. You'd have a deadline. Yeah. That's why. I mean, the deadline <laughs> is when you want it to be to go out. That's it, and that's the beauty of, of this film, and it's really going to benefit from it. Uh, that's why you see in all the better movies, even Blade Runner and all the other new and liked movies, you have the something called the director's cut. Because everyone was raining yeah, in the poor guy. Twenty-eight ultimate, uh, different endings, like Brazil, but I'm not. Sure. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you don't yeah. tell your ear. <laughs> no, oh yeah, no, but yeah, right. I, I'm going more for Charlie Kaufman in this. this right. uh, uh, make, if for those not familiar, maker of uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind adaptation. Synecdoche. Schenectady, New York. Schenectady. No, Schenectady. Schenectady. Okay. Schenectady. Schenectady. See, got me doing it. Schenectady is the name of the city. Right. Schenectady is a condition that was referenced to the city in the movie. Has in parts of a whole. So, like, when you say Pittsburgh won the game, well, Pittsburgh... All of Pittsburgh didn't win the games. Right. Part of a whole. It's, That's a synecdoche. Representing Pittsburgh won the game. Look at her. How'd you, how'd you know that? Look at you. That's the agile mind of Diane Patcher at work. I don't know. You know, it's like uh, some people can just recall it right off the top of their head. Yeah. The rest of us have too many fried brain cells to. Oh yeah. To, to do that so quickly, the synapses need rewired sometimes. That's, that's, I'm like an old Moog synthesizer, you know. Some of my capacitors are a little fried. Uh, uh, my mom used to say the the download is slowing down. <laughs> so that's what happens. To, happens to the best yeah. of us. But yeah, I mean, Carl, man, if we can tell you some stories. That is for sure. Well, when I have the ghost of far northern Stradivari in my head, you know, <laughs> it, it, it kind of helps. Now, speaking of ghosts, no one's gonna really buy this, but uh, you had Nash the Slash at your house here in Ithaca. And uh, he saw a ghost. He well, claimed I'll, to tell you, seen... I'll tell you, Nash is a friend of mine. I've known Nash for many years. Hmm. Um, and we were uh, he was working on trying to get some uh, some gigs again. And we were working on hmm. promoting him down in the sure. States, trying, you know, trying to get something rolling for him in the States. And uh, it had been, been since 82 since he'd been to the States on a tour. Hmm. Well, you were some, This would have been in... In the 90s. 90s. Late 90s. Late 90s. 97, 98, somewhere in that ballpark, I think. Yeah. 
And, uh, so, Nash came down to stay at our place. For a weekend. Brought his dog with him. He said, hey, you know, we don't mind. Bring your dog down. Digger. Dog, Digger went with him everywhere. Yep. In fact, Digger's the one that wrote all his, uh, his, uh, tour reports on the, uh, on the website. Nice. Digger's, Digger's Diary. Digger's Diary. <laughs> uh, I needed someone like Digger. Nash, Nash was, was, and I promised people I would never... T- tell anybody his name it was up to him to let people know his sure. name and pe- it's out there for public consumption sure but Nash is just to me is always Nash always yeah, has there Nash. was no Wikipedia but. Nash was always Nash and it always will be Nash you I mean, know. we knew his name yeah. at the time you know we had you know Carl had found well, him in a music magazine we you know that revealed his name but you know he just said call me Nash okay Nash always Interesting. his closest friends call him Nash okay always did he uh, didn't like his real name or he just preferred the stage name he got the stage name from from the uh, the Laurel and Hardy film. There's a Laurel, there's a early Laurel and Hardy film, uh, and the villain in the movie is Nash the Slash. And it's a. I think it's the first Laurel. It might have been the first, very first Laurel and Hardy. Actually, I, I'm trying. My memory's a little bit mm. sketchy on that. But that's where he took the name. Well, this is all before our time. And Nash, in old interviews, I would always say, "I knew I was never going to make it on my look, so I went with <laughs> the mummy look." Okay. <laughs> And the stick stuck forever, you know. It was perfect. Uh, I understand the look was from inspired by the nuclear accident in Harrisburg. I he had a, a get up for years where he'd have an old lab coat spattered with fluorescent paint and crap. You know? Okay. Um, his shows were unique, and there will never be another National Slash. He was an incredible yeah. musician, yeah, extremely talented violin player. Uh, I always said that I thought he was, I thought he was technically equal or more brilliant than Itzhak Perlman as far as violin goes. Mm-hmm. Like he's a well-known classical violinist, mm-hmm. Perlman. Uh, he was a avid. A lot of people don't know he was an avid bird watcher. Nash. Nash. Yes. So much like Bill Otte. Yeah. Who had his own TV show. Exactly. <laughs> so when we were when we went to Toronto, we. Would stay at, we stayed at his house. He lived in, the, in an area called the Beaches at the time. He was in the condo? No, he had a house. He had his own house. Okay. Three-story, those, those tall houses you see in the beaches in Toronto. Oh, okay. But he, didn't he run a condo? Or? He rented it out. He rented a couple of rooms of it out. Okay. Yeah, he rented the first floor of oh, the beach house. And he lived up there. It wasn't a beach house. It was one of those like, three-story row houses you see in eastern Toronto on the oh, okay. suburbs. And the, and the beaches see, I thought all this time it was a condo. Like a no. big, like a big oh. house. No, he owns the whole thing. Oh, see, I didn't know that. And he was a landlord. Mm. We were there one day when he was evicting one of his tenants. Mm. So we got to see the national slash eviction letter that was kind of <laughs> yeah, <that's> cool. <laughs> he, now, signed, he probably didn't sign it. National no, he signed it as real course. Yeah, legal, yeah. But uh, the thing I was trying to say about this, though, he's in this house, and... We were staying with him when we went to see him play in Toronto. He, in fact, he got us in most of the shows because, you know, he could because he's, sure, you know, yeah, he's, yeah. he's a headliner. Yeah, right. Um, you put him up in Ithaca, New York. I put him so, up down yeah, here. Yeah. Um, Nash uh, was really cool. He, he uh, played me a version that he had done of The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Nice. He later released that on a CD. Really nicely done. But he also played me the one he never released. The parody. It was a parody. <laughs> okay. It was called The Wreck of the Conservative Party. Nice. And he's, it goes like, from Legend. Mulrooney on down, etc. Uh, from Mulrooney on, on down. down. <laughs> That's all I remember. <laughs> the Wreck of the Conservative Party. Uh, it was the most brilliant, brilliant 
parody I'd ever heard in my life. Uh, I wanted a recording of I it. Wish I wish I did. Someday I might be able to score that. Uh, Maybe. I do have some exclusive things, but that's for me to know and nobody else to find. Well, I do know about one of your exclusives. Uh, he used to... What did he, tell us what he used to do to a $5 bill. A oh, Canadian I got club. one of his $5 bills. Yeah. We were out to lunch with Nash and uh, his housemate the time was Brett. a guy named Brett Moraldo. They did an act together called Nash Slash and Plexus. It was a psychedelatron. It's called Psychedelatron. He was to do shows together with lots of cool film backdrop and stuff. And uh, at that time, um, we went out to this Nash's favorite watering hole, a place called Stratton's mm. in the east side of Toronto. I never heard of it. And awesome Indian food. In fact, they had one of these menus that had every kind of cuisine you can imagine, and everything was good. It was one of those amazing yeah. places. Huh. And uh, it's like a menu in five parts. There's a pizza menu, an Indian menu, a Chinese. Normally, you would think it would be crap, Italian. but everything on there was, was Greek like and Italian. It's excellent. That's awesome. Unusual. But anyway, we're in this club, and Nash, we're talking about money and stuff, and and I made some joke because his roommate said something about. Uh, something and I and it came back with oh a day late and a dollar short or two dollars Canadian <laughs> and Nash cracks up just speaking of dollar bills he said have you ever seen the five dollar bill you got one in your wallet he said I got a Canadian five and I handed it to him and said well hang on a minute uh. Nash gets out a pen goes to work on the five dollar bill flips it over and it's a perfect Mr. Spock <laughs> Mr. Laurier the first prime minister I think it was yeah uh, yeah it was him yep. he doctor, he, he, with a little pen and ink it looks just like Leonard Nimoy with as Spock, and he yeah. wrote on the banknote, uh, "Live long and prosper." Live long and prosper. <laughs> something, uh, you know, Nash signed Nash slash. I got a Nash slash exclusive banknote. How awesome. cool is that? <laughs> that one, something money cannot buy. Yeah. One of a kind. Uh, I've seen. I've been lucky enough to see them, and uh, I, I don't. I'm not the proud holder of one, but man, this looked like Spock. <laughs> Spin and an you image. didn't have to edit the face at all. It no. was just do the hair and the ears. <laughs> that was the beauty of it. Well, it was interesting, though. You talked about ghosts. Hmm. He said he stayed at our house, and the house we lived in then was 200 years old. Yeah. So it was, you know, bound to have some spirits in it. Sure. I, I'm one of these people who... I'm not a, I'm not 100% skeptical, but I... I there's something else going on out there, man. There's, there's definitely uh, stuff we don't know about. That's all I'm going to say on that. That's why Gary Newman says he stays away from the Ouija boards. Or, or, well, oh, yeah. Gary saw the ghost in the subway. And the two, he yeah. says he saw a ghost. Well, we had a little kid ghost in our house. Mm. Four different guests reported seeing him mm. or, or noticing its presence, Nash being one of them. Mm. Nash said, you got a ghost back here. Definitively. Yeah. <laughs> so Nash and Slash saw the ghost in our house. How about that? That is awesome. Well, you know, and I always, uh, I always loved his sense of humor. Uh, one time when you and your friend from Germany, we all got together, went to see him up there. Stefan Junkloss. Yes. He saw... was. Let's introduce him so people know. He was the one. If you listen to this, you probably saw my old fanzine, North American Gary Newman Fan Club. He's the one that did the titles on the front page every month. Yeah. So that's that's who he we're talking about. He was your graphic about. guy, man. The graphic guy. Yep. So when we were up there, I, it's the first time. Was that the first time you'd seen Nash with me, or the second? Um, that was the no. Stefan came the second time. Second time you saw the Nash. The first time was at a place called the St. Hollywood in, 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 in Hamilton. In, in Hamilton. Right. This one was in uh, 
God, I can't remember what the town it was in. The one we saw with... with, with oh, well, uh, Kitchener. 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 Yeah. Because that's kind of a German town. And, and, and Stefan, he said, well, it's very kitschy here. I was talking to Nashau. <laughs> this was at the time that the... Uh, the Kitchener. Bush, I, is, I get it now. Wait, Kitschy, yeah. Kitchener? I, I just got that, guys. I'm not going to go into politics here, and I don't care who is politics is what. I'll just say at the time, the Bush administration, the second Bush administration just had come into power here. Yeah. Or had been here. And uh, so I think the second time around, they got elected. And, I, and, and Nash has this great song called We Will Be the Leaders. Anybody that knows Nash has to listen to that song. And, he, and, and I was talking to Nash out front of the club before the show started. And when he got to that song, he stopped and he looked at all of us. To my friends from America, this is dedicated to you guys. This is We Will Be the Leaders. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, when Stefan was there and he brought his girlfriend at the yeah. time. Um, which I gave <laughs> Nash a heads up that they were from Germany. Yes. And uh, during the performance... Uh, which is pretty well attended. He said, "This is um, dedicated to uh, our German visitors, and to uh, Carl and our American friends." Uh, and there was a uh, that's that's when he did on a Canadian band, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His version of American band, you know. Yeah. I'm a Canadian band from his album American Bandages. Bandages. <laughs> yeah. Nash had some great stories. I mean, he uh, really did. Way, way, He'd been in the industry so long that his, you know, to realize yeah. you have to realize Nash was born in 1948, so he's been in the, he was in the oh, industry yeah. quite a long. Now time. he started with FM in 1980 or 70. Uh, 70s, 70, mid 70s. Um, yeah, uh, man, I think his first solo record was in 78. Mm. But no, um, he used to do a lot of. Uh, he opened for a lot of bands. Everybody from The Who. The biggest shows he had probably does when he was opening for The Who. Yeah. In Europe. And he tells a story. I don't remember who it was that loaned it to him. But Nash has a very had a very uh, unique effect pedal for his mandolin. It was Nash's fuzz box or whatever he called it. And, and somehow it wasn't working right on the tour. So I think either one of the producers, John Lecky or somebody that produced one of the national singles over there, or somebody scrambled around, and Nash was like, where's my blanking fuzz? It's not working. So, so he scrambled and got Nash this thing. And he just, uh, I, poor he, Nash. I can't tell the light a candle the way he's told these stories. <laughs> now, Diane, uh, remember we were going to, uh, you were going to sit on Carl's lap. The uh, 400 miles to Kitchener to see National Slash with Stefan, <laughs> uh, the graphic person for my fanzine. Uh, but what ended up happening, uh, remember? Stefan's girlfriend ended up Rode riding in the hip, my hatchback in the trunk, basically. Oh. <laughs> coming back, so, into, coming back into the States was really interesting because we had two people from Germany. Yeah. You from. And, well, yeah, I see. They're like, they little know their citizenship. Blah blah blah. <laughs> Going into Canada was fun. I got, yeah. It's like, yeah, I got two Germans. Uh, I got a Canadian. I think Jennifer was there, and uh, I, I just date my old fiance. That's true from New York. Yeah, I got Americans. I got you. Name, I got everything here. What do you want? Yeah. <laughs> but coming back in the states, they didn't. Did they? Did they ask for everybody's citizenship? I don't think they did. I don't think they. No, they didn't. We they were looking. Didn't. Yeah, I was looking forward to having more fun with coming back. Because it's always it's harder coming back into your own country. Yeah. It is going into... Yeah, <laughs> well, into, turns out, yeah, that's the case. Of course, but, now you can't go there at all without an appointment, but... Yeah, oh, yeah, because I was in Canada. Someday that'll change back last again, month. not uh, for a while. Well, if this Tucker protest gets its way, uh, it's in the news now. 
They just declared a state of emergency in I Ottawa. Know, all yeah. yeah, speaking of the border. Ah, well, I don't uh, want to go into politics. What would Nash the Slash say about that? He'd be um, like, yeah, he would. He would have something. He'd have some words. words say this isn't the Canadian. This, is, this, this isn't, isn't the Canadian, Canadian way. Yeah, yeah. So well, Nash had some great. Stories. I could say what I think he would say, but I'm not sure how much your listeners appreciate. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'll he, say this much. He did much. not mince his words. I'll say this much about. And he Mr. had strong opinions. He I'll seemed say, like that kind of guy. I'll right? say this much about Mr. Slash. His uh, Mr. Well, he some, the Slash. He had some interesting stories about his. Uh, during the sessions for dance, too. Yeah. He did the sessions for that, yeah. He said he really enjoyed uh, working with Roger Taylor. Oh, really? The Queen drummer, yeah. He said a phenomenal, phenomenal guy. Someone asked him, I, I got to see his last two shows, which were very sparsely yeah. attended, for $10. Canadian, it's like six dollars American to see Nash, the, the 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 master, and you know he introduced drum machines to Canada. This guy that's such a history working with. In fact, the music and, and, unions wanted were all over his ass because he was threatening real musicians. And there was this big stink at the time. You know, when drum machines first came out, they they were seen as a threat. Yeah, that's right. So someone asked him, "What what's your best moment?" And I thought for sure he's going to say Wembley, with like crazy, you know. Thousands yeah. of people, and he he uh, he says no. He says the best moment was opening for the Who. That was uh, huge. Tens of thousands yeah. of people. Yeah, he said that was his his, his glory moment. No, so that surprised me. And of course, I was lucky enough to be there uh, so at the Opera House in Toronto for their know, big reunion in 2010. Anybody too young to know about the Nash? Just look him up. Oh yeah, Nash, tons of yeah. stuff on YouTube now. Yeah, well the story goes uh, he was playing in a bar in Toronto. Uh, Gary was on tour, and he happened. It was a night off, and he went out and saw Nash and, and got his dad to get up with his manager and see well, if he can I join. I first the... saw Nash at the Newman's first show in Toronto in nineteen eighteen at Maple Leaf Gardens. Uh, yeah, yeah. First show, uh, Newman show in Canada. That's where I first saw Nash. No one's impressed. I knew where that was. That's <laughs> where I first saw. I was him. I was twelve. Then. But that's the first time I saw Nash live. Okay, I knew cool. about him from FM. You must have been 15 or 16. Oh, let me see. 1980? No, 80. I was uh, 17. Wait, wait. Uh, February. It was February, 18th. Right? 18th, yes. I was 17. What do I win? I was almost 18. I was almost <laughs> a pat on the back. A pat on, okay. No, I was wait. a month away from 18. Two months away from 18. Okay. So. 18. Right on. So, okay. Well, I got pictures from that show thanks to... Uh, oh, Yes, and I included Thanks them in the fans. Uh, right? Oh God, I'm basing on his name. It's driving me nuts. Mark Mahoba? No, 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 no. He lived out in the eastern side of Toronto. There. Uh, oh damn it. So anyway, if he hears us, he's gonna. The <laughs> no. He gave me the pictures of that show because he took taking pictures at it. Those were good pictures. I included them because of you. I was able to put in those exclusive pictures. He, if he's listening to this, he's gonna hate me because I can't remember. His well, name they yet. they got. Uh, spread throughout the internet as the pictures on oh, my I site often spread. On the credits, saying, yes, you did. So, so it's, so. it's there. Uh, those and the ones from '82. The ones that my friend in Cleveland took in Cleveland. Because I was I wasn't a photographer in those days. And and those and got from, those got widely spread as well. And the music hall one from '80. The music hall as well from '80. I would go to like people would let me stay in their houses or whatever. I see them at shows and I would see those pictures. Either on people's phones on their on their screensaver on their phone or at their place on, on their computer yeah. as a desktop. So they were very popular. Those and, and, and a lot of the pictures I, I ended up on 
people's desktops. That's going to drive me nuts. <laughs> that's, that which is very gratifying for me because I didn't have any formal training in photography. I can't remember his name. Uh, right? just, had a, was, just had a good eye, I think. He might have been Scarborough. I can't remember his name. Well, while we have two conversations at once, uh, I'm, I'm going to uh, do a complete 180 here. And uh, uh, we, back in, what year was that? 1990? 91? Paul Green. He's the guy who did... 91. Nine, was it? Gary Newman uh, had uh, five DVDs out in the mid-90s, like, 2000s. And Paul Green uh, produced them. He had his whole crew. He had a whole video crew. And he used to do uh, the world's... First audio fanzine called Noise Noise, fiddling enough. I think they did about for 15 of them. Gary Newman, you know, offhand, I'm, I don't remember. It was about 15, 20 in there. And we ended up uh, being, becoming friends. And uh, back then it was prohibitively, prohibitively costly to distribute my fanzine in England. So what he would do, I would send one to him, and he would distribute them to everyone who subscribed. And I would. To, he would give me. He would send me a copy of his monthly audio fanzine, and I would distribute them in in America. And that saved Paul Green and I both a ton of postage. And we that kept the prices low for the for the fans, fans as well. So we got to be on uh, a few of his noise noise uh, audio fanzines. Uh, so I, I try and put a special rare clip. Uh, a lot of these will be in the film. So if you like this, you're gonna love the movie. It's gonna have tons of these. Uh, but this is a uh, clip from uh, Gary's uh, video director, Paul Green, and uh, working with Carl here and I uh, in one of the Noise Noise fanzines doing a new segment uh, in my old uh, bedroom, I think, where I used to, I had a typewriter in my room. That was my pseudo office back then. Right. I was, oh my God, 91, I was 32 or something. Ancient history. Yeah, a long time ago. So, yeah, so uh, here you go. Uh, 91, you'd have been 22, not 32. 22, yeah. See, if I could do math, I'd have a real job. <laughs> I always say it. Jim Nigger, public accountant. Yes, public, yes, yes. Do not hire me Certified for any of your math needs. Yes. Accountant, but I want it to be a line tamer. <laughs> to dead silence. So... Yeah, so anyway, uh, so here's the special rare wow clip of the podcast. Enjoy, everybody. Here it is. The remix was done by the up Rockers Uptown, and the B-side features the Renegade Soundwave remix of Warfans Electric, and as, as of yet, unreleased instrumental version. This has never been um, <clears throat> released in the UK of the, um, the remix of Warfans Electric. Um, anyway, here's a clip of some of them. Um, closely followed by the hysterical advert for Jim Napier's North American fanzine. So here we go, I hope you enjoy them both, and I'll see you in about four or five minutes. We're gonna keep this part in. Keep this part in. <laughs> hey! <laughs> it's on level three, is that high enough, Jim? Yeah, that sounds good. Alright. Don't wait the Can't numbers. expect too much out of a uh, an American-made tape recorder, but... Oh, uh, come on. Here it goes. But it's time to sound the alarm. And stay tuned for the next 30 seconds for an upcoming report from the North American Gary Newman Fan Club. Take it away, Jimmy Baby. Thanks a lot. First, we got to tell them about this big convention coming up. It's going to be Saturday, July 27th. This is going to be a live band. A DJ, it's going to be fun had by all. It's going to be good. Yeah, I decided to, to haul my band out of the woodwork. 
do a nice live sort of industrial set. It's a big comeback, huh? Yeah, it's uh, we haven't played out in over uh, probably a year. You know, he lives back in Cleveland, I live here, but we're going to link up and do one outstanding hour and a half set. That's right, and uh, not bad for the price of admission, which by the way is free. Yeah, somehow we'll, we'll uh, you know, make some money one of these days, but we got people traveling from 3,000 miles away, and they're probably going to be spending several hundred dollars just to get here, so we're going to be nice guys. Hey, it's the least we can And do. make it free. I'm telling you. Not too many things are free in this country. Nah. Hey, but you know, no new taxes. That's true. But it should be good. We just got a new one released here domestically called... My, My World Storm. That's right. And I think it's, uh, I haven't seen a copy yet, but it supposedly has been released, and there's like uh, the remix of Our Friends Electric on the B-side. I even hear there's supposed to be a CD single out there of this. That's what I heard. U.S., so, you know. I mean, how long has it been since, uh, I don't think there's ever been a U.S. CD single of Gary Newman. No, but check this out. Are you into rap? Well, no, but I did hear this little rumor here that, uh, there's a new album, it's uh, Road to Riches, it's by uh, Cool G Rap, and it's a sidekick, DJ Polo. Right. my favorite. I've never heard of him, but they're supposedly covering cars on this new album. I'm sure you'll probably be able to find it very soon in any discount bin in one of these major record stores. You know, uh, speaking of that, you know, there was a real interesting cover of cars about ten years ago by this band. I think they were called the Fearless Four. Uh, this was plug, like plug, plug. this is a plug, but this yeah, is about 1979 or 80. Shameful. Hey, <laughs> but anybody can find this album. It's uh, the Fearless Four. They do a cover of Cars. Contact us at the Gary Newman Fan Club, and uh, we'd be pretty interested in that. But keep your eyes out for Mr. Cool G Rap and his sidekick DJ Polo. Yeah, hey, I've got sure all to be the hottest thing since New Kids on the Block. I've got all their bootlegs. Let me tell you. Hey, while we're at it, we gotta wish Paul uh, congratulations here. I think. Yeah. What do you think? I hear Paul's getting hitched. That's right. You know. What was your name? Joanna. Yeah. Joanna Green. That's got a lovely ring to that. Yeah. No, I hope you guys a... have many years of happiness, and this is heartfelt from all of us here in the North American Gary Newman Fan Club. Congratulations, Jim. Why don't you tell everybody about the U.S. Gary Newman Fan Club for those of you out there that may have not be very familiar with us? Take it away, the Mock Man. This is the Mock Man. Um, this fanzine, by the way, is the only international fanzine devoted to Gary Newman. Uh, we're real proud of that here in America. Um, ask trivia questions every month. Uh, weird, obscure photos. Uh, classified section in case you're looking for a pen pal. Or in several pages. It's often up to 20 pages or more. You know, or more, I mean, yeah. Every month, most fanzines are going to run you $25 a year, and you only get four. That's true. That's true. I almost joined a Bob Dylan one. Not that I'm into him at all, but that's another story. But you know, seriously, folks, um, if you want to join, it's, uh, you can do it through Paul. He's got a real good deal for you. And if you haven't seen it yet, I'm sure you'll you, uh, be really pleased with it. Um, you're, you're in for a treat, I think. Yep. And, well, before we wrap things up, we just have a few more things to pass along to you. What's that, Carl? Well, I think it's time to get some food. I'm hungry. Are you? Mickey D's? Mickey D's. Well, sounds, sounds alright to me. Well, we're heading out now, so you all have fun. You gotta make tracks. We're in the archives. If you course. happen to be in America, drop in on us on the 27th of July for the convention. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. It's gonna Details be Details in the next fanzine. That's right. 
That's um, the May fanzine, which is running a little late this month, but sometimes that happens. Good things come to those who wait, you know? That's true. Hey, we're have fun. Yeah. We're out of here. Take care. Bye. Well, listeners, this is the one you've been waiting for. When Steve Webb isn't doing his record slot on Noise Noise, he's a sex god and a legend in his own underpants. So let's go, Stevie baby. Okay, we're back. Hope you enjoyed that a little blast from the past. Uh, with Carl here and I, we probably sound no different from when we did back then, actually. Uh, who, knows? <laughs> who knows? Only you know, because I, I don't actually. I haven't done the post production yet. The shadow. <laughs> the shadow knows. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, so the movie. Uh, we've been actually working hard on it for a long time. Uh, I'm glad it has taken this. I was embarrassed at first. It's taken this long, but uh, I like the way you put it. Uh, it's Newman has gone this long without output. So so in a, and I always do things in the fanzine. Like not making any money at it. That was intentional. Uh, when I had the when Gary did the soundtrack with Aid Fenton called From Inside, I would actually not charge any more than it cost me from the dealer. Even though mine was first, uh, like two weeks before Amazon had it, uh, people could get it from me cheaper. And I always thought you were jobless and lived in your mom's basement. Yeah, oh, that's true. Till I was 41? Right? <laughs> yeah, you're good at numbers. I thought, I, thought you did, I thought you never had a job. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'd have a real job if I could do math. <laughs> so. Who knows, I'd say I ever remember you being jobless after you got out of high school. You always had some delivery job. Yeah, I yeah, I was a lowly del, del, piece of delivery man. Yep. And I did that for 20 years because, man, you know, what other job can you work all night, listen to Gary Newman, and get paid? For listening to Gary Newman and Devo and Depeche Mode and all the good bands, you know, until and they the pay you for until that. The railroad snagged you. Yeah, yeah, until that fateful day. Work for the railroad now. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Little pseudo whistling going on. <laughs> no. So, uh, so Gary's playing uh, Buffalo uh, in March seven twelfth. Okay. I think it's twelfth. You going? Yeah. I'm going to go. I got tickets. Yeah? yeah. <laughs> got tickets already? Okay. Got them back in November when they, when they postponed it. Nice. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I guess so. I should get my tickets, I guess. Yeah, you should. Yeah. Oh, well. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Cool, cool. Well, I'm more based toward Buffalo, so I'll be putting these guys up probably up. In Buffalo. And then the following day, I guess there's a show here, but I, I don't have tickets. Yeah. Uh, Psychedelic Furs are playing here in town. Do you have tickets yet? I will. I could, do you need tickets? I'll, yeah, I, I'd go to see it. Okay, should I get three tickets? Sure. Okay, one for me and one yeah. for two. Okay. Cool, cool. Here uh, we are doing business on a podcast. Well, you gotta love it. I gotta, well, podcasts are for good stories. Now, I got a good story about the first time Psychedelic Furs were played at State Theater. Uh, never minding the fact that it was my first slam dance. I first saw Psychedelic Furs in... England in 1980. 80? Oh my god, this would have been about 80, 88, yeah. 89. And I, I, the, the, the guy I bought it, for, or I, I uh, wanted it from on, on the radio, I, I call up and he goes, dude, I wanted to fix this contest so bad. He was going to fix the contest, have one of his friends get it. Oh, but he decided to be, you know, on the up and up and moral and he did it right. And, <laughs> and he's like, if you're not going to go, let me know and I'll, I'll use your tickets. First time I saw him in the States was at the Fantasy Theater in Cleveland in 81. Ooh, it's not even there anymore. Yeah. Or is I, it not fantasy? Yeah. 
Uh, it was on. It was on Detroit. Okay. In, in Cleveland, Detroit Avenue, uh, West Side, near West Side. Um, not maybe close. Not far from downtown, really. It's yeah. Near West Side, near Lakewood, between Lakewood and downtown. The uh, where we held the first North American Gary Newman convention. convention, and we had a DJ from England. Yep. Expat. Ron Rutledge, who mastered Gary's U.S. Oh, yeah. recordings. I was New Anchor, Skin Mechanics. So we had people all the way from uh, California. He was a special guest. We there. had people from Florida, from Washington, D.C. area, California. A lot of people showed up, and it was a pretty good crowd. For a North American event, considering how spread out everything's here in the States, man. Oh, yeah. It's not like having one in England where you're maybe four hours, five hours away. Well, that was the inspiration for me. So, you know, there's no internet. I'm hearing uh, there's people are well, doing Newman discos. Up, oh yeah, pre pre internet, pre social media, like my fantasy and was like to put something like that together without the internet was kind of a, a minor miracle. Well, uh, but I kept hearing about these Newman discos up and down the coast, the Pete and Frank stuff, yeah. and there was nothing like that here at all. So I, I took up the slack and I, I organized them and and I just haven't had the right space for it the first time. Yeah, yeah, and there were what five or six more after that. I think so. I think so. Now the uh, interesting thing about your fanzine at the time was the friend of mine, the uh, that grew up in England, but he's lived in the states for many years. Uh, Brian Whiteley. Yeah. He. Uh, he what do I, I win? He and I were in the discussions of starting a Newman fanzine when we saw your ad. That's right. So I, we said, okay, this guy's already started. I forgot about this. Let's just jump in on this and, and, and look this guy up and say, we were going to do this, but I see you've already started, so how can we help out? <laughs> That's kind of how the, how we roped into it. We were already in the process of brainstorming one because yeah. there hadn't been a U.S. fanzine since the 80s. Somebody had one in 83. Oh, that's very short-lived and very minimal. Okay, that would be Friends, of, circulation. Friends of Newman by a gentleman named Glenn Morris. That's correct. But it was minimal circulation and short-lived. That, that Well, it went to 83. So what was that? So that's six years that America didn't have yeah. any kind of uh, No, no, fanzine. no. Nothing to promote Gary. Nothing, nothing uh. really that anybody could find out about because you know, no internet, no way to find out. I was lucky enough that there was a really good record store in Cleveland called Shattered Records at the time. And the guy that ran that place, when a record came out in England, I would have it in my hands a week later at his shop. That was uh, like a record store that I loved. I would work all night at the pizza shop, and I'd drive all night to Baltimore, about six hours south of Ithaca, and I would get the latest Newman import that I only knew about because there was this... Which record collecting Bible called Goldmine, and that's where I actually advertised my fanzine. Music machine, music that machine. Yeah. That was in Baltimore, and yeah, we we went together once, and we went together once. Yeah, yeah, more than once. That, that was always a good pilgrimage down there because we had we had some amazing journeys down there. Uh, shared a hotel room, and I would bring a little cheap record player to to get all my uh, listen to all my new. Because yeah. it wasn't like, you know, MP3s or CDs where you could listen to yeah, it instantly. This, this is vinyl. You have yeah. to have the right player to hear yeah, what and it, it was the new like. Right, and it was the new Newman, so I wanted to hear it, like, right away. So I'd bring my record player to Baltimore, yeah. plug it into the Holiday Inn, uh, <laughs> plug it, and I would play him right there that night. Yeah, you were buying Newman, and I was buying Depeche Mode. Yes, yeah, that's right. Collecting all the back catalog. Yeah. yeah, you were saying. I yeah. introduced you to Shattered in Cleveland, yeah. and you're like, wow, man, you know. Yeah, we went just the once, I think. Yeah, 
sadly. That was a nice place. I, I bought my... I bought Photograph from Shattered in 1980 when it came out. For how much? $9.99. cents. Yeah. Then he said, a week later, he said, that record you just bought, they just yanked him from the shelves. It's been pulled. Yeah, how about that? And I said, really? It was, he said, it was unlicensed. I said, oh, wow, so this is going to be worth money someday. <laughs> the moment you wish that you had bought all 25 copies of Photograph. <laughs> I sh- yeah, I should have. Yeah, about four of them there. Yeah, you'd, you'd be, that would have been your Hindsight retirement fund. Well, I think they're 90 you know, bucks now on eBay. The day that you do that is going to be the day that it doesn't happen. Yeah, that's it. You know. That's the spirit. <laughs> but I've got all, I got test pressings from him, ask, uh, you know, an acetate. I got all kinds of cool stuff from, from him. Cool. Nice place. Yeah, yeah. It's too bad he's retired and gone. Now, those days were fun, but... Well, you, you were saying you just caught up with him again on I Facebook. I found him on Facebook again, yeah. so that's nice. That's cool. Yeah, he ran a good shop. Those fun times. Fun times. Yeah, yeah. Wish I would come back. Yes. Oh, we have the memories, though. Memories. Unlike the kids of today. Memories. <laughs> Let's do some bright. Barbara Streisand covers. Yeah, Barbara Listen to all the podcast listeners to start to turn off. <laughs> Just kidding. Barbara Streisand on the Gary Newman. Next on the Whispers of Truth podcast. <laughs> Misty watercolored memories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think new one is ever going to cover that song. I don't think so. Well, <laughs> it's interesting you say that because Paul Green... And I were, you know, talking back and forth. And it was not cheap back then. Long distance. Oh, how? Yeah, we were talking. A lot of money. One time, well, I, I dated someone in Canada. And we ended up, it was $600 one month. Oh, yeah. Just to give me an idea. Yeah. So we're talking back and forth. You know, sharing the calls. You know, sharing the expense. Pricey, pricey. Neither of us are rich. And, you know, still not. Pricey. Yeah, very. And so, but, you know, it's the, best, the only way to, to instantly uh, communicate. So I said, well, guess there was this guy, Rudy Mijerink. And how he got the news, I'll never know. He was instrumental back then in my fanzine back in 89, 90, 91, 92, getting the news first. Well, Rudy comes up with Gary is going to do a Prince cover. And so next time I got a hold of Paul Green, uh, I go, hey, uh, Gary's going to do a Prince cover. uh, Paul Green (laughs) tells me, I'm going to bet my entire reputation as the world's first audio fanzine noise noise creator uh, that new one is not going to do that. Well, not only <laughs> one but two. Fast two. Fast forward like seven, eight months. Trivia: Gary, If you can name him, you get a prize. With, with the song? If you can name the two songs he did. Oh, you get please. A uh, well, it was nineteen ninety nine, and you got the look. Yeah. The, the, now the trivia question is: What song did the record company want him to do? There you go. They they uh, compromised. They compromised on Prince because it's something they, they both liked and think they, they could sell. That's one for your fans. Uh, you think that should yeah. go to the fans? Yeah, okay. I think so. Okay. Uh, okay. So for prize number two of this podcast, uh, the f- person who uh, gets a hold of me and tells me uh, the answer to the following question What song did the uh, record Irish. company, Iris Records, want Gary Newman to, to cover? And it's very surprising, and um, actually, I think it might have been it might have gone down pretty well. I, I could, I could. It's a weird choice, but I, I could hear it. I could hear it in my brain. Yeah. Yes. So uh, yeah, I, I'm, it's it's bursting out of me. I want to say it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it a contest. That's a good one for a contest. Yeah. So yeah. So the the winner will be revealed in uh, in two years for. Po- now we're gonna do these a lot more frequently. Yeah. We're not. I mean, especially with the yeah with the movie. I kept. I thought it was a year, and the last one we did was March 2020. Yeah, I think it was 2020. Oh, years have gone by. What the? That's just well, crazy. I have to ask what happened. 
Well, yeah, COVID. The pandemic happened. Yeah, yeah, actually, literally. The pandemic. The yeah, the the, the damn panic. <laughs> I just made that up. I don't. That's a, it, you can have that. No, no, that's an anagram. <laughs> no, literally, we did the podcast after seeing Newman, and like that was Newman's last performance for like a year and a half. Yeah. Was in that's my love, my hometown that's of Ithaca. Last anything for a year and a half. Yeah, and Cornell shut down, and Gary didn't play, and. He tried and and like he tried to do the car driving uh, shows and that didn't go because of roadie liabilities and yeah a bunch of crap. Uh, but he said uh, it was for the best. He didn't want to. In fact, he canceled the original shows in the U.S. because uh, he didn't. He wanted to keep everyone safe. Right. It was his yeah. big spiel. So, but now I guess everyone's safe now. Uh, COVID's over and he's gonna tour next month. <laughs> so there you go. So okay, good. So uh, are you looking forward to the show? You think he'll play a lot of weird new stuff i'm looking forward to it i'll yeah. be interested in hearing what he decides to do this time around cool cool you never know it's been a while i mean this is a big return to live shows i mean you never know is he going to stick to all the most recent stuff or is he, is he going to pull out some stuff from the past that he hasn't done in 20 years i gotta think you know i mean this is, this is a big return he's, he's gonna come out yeah. with something you never know interesting and, and unique and Probably so. I mean, two, he's had a lot of time to write, so he's probably going to come up with new stuff. I'll give him the credit to try, that he try to keep it interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have faith in I have faith in the man. <laughs> Goes without saying. So uh, I feel. You know who the opening band is? No idea. Yeah. See, I've, I've been out of the loop. I don't know. No, really. They're called if the I was still running the fanzine, I would know this. But yeah. I think they're called well, no idea. No, just no idea. Talking about opening bands, we were talking earlier about Nash. Yeah. I remember Nash's story about how he and Gary got together. Oh, what did he say? He said Gary was doing a concert through Canada, and he didn't have a specific opening band. His the people who were doing the arranging for him, the organizers, were looking, you know, for each stop who is a local band that's popular that we can call in to open for that show. Nash was the one they asked to do the opening in Toronto, which was fairly early in the tour. Yeah. And Gary was so impressed with Nash, <laughs> he said, I want him for the rest of the tour. And Nash said, I like that idea. The organizer said, well, okay. <laughs> so, they toured, so they did the whole tour together. And then Gary remembered Nash when they wanted to do, you know, a dance. He wanted no. particular sound and thought of Nash and called Nash in on the dance tour and the album. Mm. Well, wanted... actually, it was the tele-tour he called Gary back for first. And he called, Gary called Nash and said, Nash, can you do the tele-tour? Yeah, I don't just... think there was a dance tour. There was, there was no, the Wembley. She meant yeah. tele-tour. Oh, yeah, sorry. What, what Nash said was that Newman called him and says, when does the start? Says, Nash had to scramble in four days to get a passport. That's how quickly <laughs> he had to do this. Okay. And Nash says, I, I, I somehow got a, got somebody, somebody he knew knew somebody in the Ministry of whatever in Canada. Yeah. And they were able to expedite him a passport. Nice. He, so he got an expedited uh, passport. You know, he only had, Gary, Gary was kind of late, last minute notice to, 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 to Nash apparently on this. So Nash was informed like on a Monday Friday he got a password, and Monday he was on the plane. Next Monday he was on the plane. <laughs> and it was during that tour that Gary asked him to play on dance. Uh-huh. Okay. That's how I worked out. Okay. And that's what Nash was telling me about how much he enjoyed working with Roger Taylor. Roger Taylor from Queen, yes. So yeah. that was a that was a big moment for him to sit down and trade ideas with with, 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 with one of the best drummers in the rock 
To be a fly in the wall, Nash and Roger Taylor. Yeah. Queen. Well, yeah. that's how he kind of enraptured the crowd in Ithaca. He should do more of that kind of thing. He is an excellent speaker, and he really had the crowd around his finger in Ithaca when he was talking about hanging with Queen in Japan. I yeah. Mean, the, uh, it was memorizing to, to, to listen to, and the crowd were just, you could hear a pin drop. Everyone was like, like Especially when, when Newman talked about uh, about him, uh, about uh, Freddie buying him McDonald's at a Japanese restaurant. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, didn't he send out the limo for Freddie McDonald's? Freddie Mercury sent the limo out to get McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. Because Gary didn't like or, Didn't like what they were eating. Yeah. <laughs> I could see that. Like I've, I've been to Japan twice, and yeah, I'm not a seafood guy. If you're used to fish and chips, yeah. you don't want sushi. I, I found, that's when I found out. Cool, how cool is Freddie Mercury? Yeah. To some young, up-and-coming, you know, Gary was, you know, to go out in, in, a, in a fancy Japanese five-star restaurant and have and be able to have McDonald's delivered to it. I mean, yeah. come on. Freddie Mercury was, was, was a... Was a Gary was talking about like people were were uh, going crazy like he, he was creating a stir and he didn't he had no idea it was for him he had no idea so that was interesting yeah. but I, I could feel Gary's pain having been there and uh, that's when I found out that the McDonald's has something called a teriyaki burger yeah so that that was that got me by when I was in Japan was, bring a bag of lunch if you don't do seafood that's all and if you my want advice. to spend ten dollars for a bottle of coke you will in Japan. Uh, you know it's not bad. It's not too bad. I found it used I, to be really cool. I found a place for six dollars. You can get a pasta meal. You can get uh, refillable cokes. Six bucks. Double arigato, Mr. Roboto. Uh, so well, I kept. I've, I've always been eclectic in what I like to eat. You know, I love Japanese food. I like uh, Chinese. You would have loved it. It's like. I could probably go anywhere in the world and be happy with whatever they put on my plate. Well, I read that it was a AAA guide, and they said that the 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 best sushi you can get in Western New York, you know, around Buffalo, is still not as good as the worst sushi you will get in Tokyo. I right. believe that. Which I, believe I thought was that was amazing. I, I totally believe it. I mean, there are some things I'd rather not eat. Like if I went to Japan, no, I don't need to try fugu. What is fugu? Blowfish. Fugu is blowfish. Okay. If you insert took, joke here, if you Poisonous took the fish. whole fish and threw it on the grill and ate it, you would die. It's a toxic fish. Oh well, the why blood, do they serve it? Well, they have a way of preparing it where you know they drain all the blood out and take just the fillets, oh, okay. and the fillets have edible meat. Oh, okay. But if the chef you know, doesn't know what he's but, doing, ew. So the people who must pay massive amounts of money to risk. So trying blowfish in these restaurants. Wow! It's like it's like it's like a dare thing. They, they, okay. It's like two hundred fifty bucks for dinner, for one piece for of fish. A oh. piece of fish that, from what I have heard, is you know it's not bad, but it's not a highly flavorful fish. You it's know, kind of bland is more what I've tempting heard. Tempting fate. It's more. It's like oh, this could kill me if it's not done right. I'm being daring here. It's like. It's a whole thing. I'd rather have a, a nice sushi roll with crab and salmon uh, and seaweed, you know? None of the stuff Gary <laughs> likes. Gemma and I were at a restaurant across from the uh, venue in Pittsburgh, 2014, and I helped her find a toy for her daughter or whatever. Right. And so uh, to thank me, uh, took my me and my friends out to Thai food right across from the venue. Oh, and Hazard, yeah, I'm not a big fan. I, I kind of played along. And as we're sitting there eating Thai food, uh, which kind of gave me the... <laughs> it's really hot unless you know how to order it. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, I'll, I'll keep it rated G. 
Um, so yes, we're yes, sitting yes, there, yes. And, and her phone rings, and who calls? It's Gary, telling Gary, uh, Gemma to pick up some chicken nuggets from the McDonald's across the Give street next to the around. venue. So that that we share the same food taste. Anything mm-hmm. fried, you know. Except loafers. Where else? But on, <laughs> where mean, else? But on this podcast, can you find out about cuisine? Yes. I mean, I will enjoy anything fried if that's the local specialty. <laughs> Next on food that will kill you. Um. <laughs> Jim will be appearing on Food Network. No. <laughs> but but yeah, in the restaurants that handle fugu, they have a special disposal bucket for the entrails of the fish and the skin and all that mm, and it is a locked hazmat bucket <laughs> because yeah I, I what's in there it's a neurotoxin it's in the fish blood okay. so <laughs> eat them up <laughs> <laughs> if somebody gave me a barns and barns if somebody gave me a package of fresh fish heads fresh not decayed i'd make them into soup and it would be a good fish joke <laughs> Your soup's looking at you, baby. Yes. No, no, the final soup wouldn't have the eyes or the bones. You know, I would take out the skulls. But, yeah. you know, stew them for, for an hour before throwing in the potatoes and celery and the rest. And then take the fish heads out and you'll have a nice fish stock. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, like, like in Charlotte, when we see uh, Beryl and Tony come out of this hee-haw barn where Gary's playing that night that was the last one of the tour you were there yeah right yeah you, were, you guys were yeah. there. 1998 who comes out but his parents going to the wendy's across the street yeah. picking up a, something for yeah. gary and newman boy was there uh who anyone who knows newman boy uh david ellison uh were, were chasing after the parents getting pictures oh yeah he was like the, the, the <laughs> so anyone who thinks i took a lot of pictures this pop- guy was he chasing was the paparazzi. yeah he was the paparazzi <laughs> uh you know it's funny uh Speaking of obscure things, uh, here's a total non sequitur. Hit us. Uh, not only did Bill Nelson produce a Gary Newman album, though mm. because of differences later took sure. the name off of it, uh-huh. he also did produce a Nash to Slash 7-inch. Oh, I didn't know that. Novel Romance, was it called? Did he? Did, was the name taken off the album, of the credits? Yeah. Oh, Bill, Bill, in the interview, said I, we just our differences were such that we I didn't... Uh, I didn't. I took oh, my yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. His name was taken off as producer. On that I think we have to check that. No, the name was removed yep. as producer. Okay. All right. still his name shows up on the track Poetry and Power. Oh, that's what I'm thinking. But he took okay. his name off as producer. Okay. Because they just didn't. Gary later said that he kind of regrets that that didn't that Gary didn't was. Yeah. He said he had a few more years on him. He might have saw differently about but it. Joe Hubbard saved the day. He, However, was, he was the kipper of 1983. But, but Nelson also produced a Nash single. What's this? Ne- Nelson, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, produced, I didn't see. I didn't know that. The seven-inch single was called Novel novel, have, novel Romance. You have stumped the muck. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, he actually produced one Nash seven-inch. Oh. Interesting. He was he was good. A Flaming Desire. What was that band he was in? Oh, his original band was Bebop Deluxe. Bebop Deluxe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good progressive stuff. Um, Nelson's probably one of the greatest living guitarists today. Yeah. I still think he's excellent musician. Even though he's deaf in one ear now and going blind in one eye, he's well, one of the most incredible musicians. He's got to be in the 70s now. He's same age as, he would, he's same age Nash would be. They were all born in 1948. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same age as Gene Michel Okay. I can't pronounce it. Another name. Newman uh, co... Now, now another Newman. Yeah, yeah. Six Degrees of Six Degrees of Newman, yeah. Uh, 
because I was into all these bands before they collaborated with them, like John Fox and all yeah. these people. Now they're all they're all interconnected. But... Well, guys, that's all I got. Uh, so uh, for another, so yeah, so I was gonna say so two more years from now. Yeah, two now. years from now, we're all gonna have flying cars and. Uh, well, we get the podcast straight, downloaded, downloaded into your brain. So I'll save you from having to download it on this old-fashioned uh, Windows computer, yes, exactly. whatever your, whatever fine uh, service you're getting this from. So yes, so uh, uh, yeah. Who's the producer on this show anyway? <laughs> anyway. Okay, well, it's been nice chatting with you, Jim. Yeah, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It has been. Hey, we'll see you guys. And uh, yeah, so keep in touch. Uh, we're going to uh, uh, announce the winners. Hopefully next podcast will be in about a month or so. And we will announce the uh, the two winners uh, from those contests. Uh, and we'll give away more prizes when we see you. And I'll give you an update on the, the film, which is really, really coming together nicely. I'm so enthused in a way, in a way I haven't been yet. So... Uh, yeah, so it's really going to benefit the film, and I hope you enjoy it. I mean, I, I can't tell you how much this film is going to rock. It'll be very Sir, if you're a Newman it'll fan, be very interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, if you're a fan, of, it's going to like Android and La La Land. You didn't have to be a fan of Gary to appreciate no. it and like it. It's going to be one of those kind of interesting films that'll hold your interest, even if you're not interested in it. <laughs> the topic I had. So, anyway, with that said, uh, it's good night from me. Ciao. Ciao. Have a good one.